Hello all you kings, queens, and those in between, and welcome to the most self-indulgent mini-sode of the Busted Limes podcast yet. I'm your host, Paresh Maharaj, and listeners, I am a fan of the band Queen. A big fan of the band Queen. A big enough fan to know that today, July 13th, 2021, is the 36th anniversary of the massive benefit concert called Live Aid. A concert that saw performances from the likes of Led Zeppelin, Madonna, Elton John, David Bowie, Black Sabbath, U2, and of course, the band who somehow managed to steal the show from all of them, Queen. So for this minisode, I'm going to be breaking down Queen's performance at Live Aid, and try to articulate why, for 20 minutes on that hot summer day 36 years ago, England was ruled by another Queen. And to start off, yes, the live performance widely considered to be the greatest of all time was only 20 minutes long because it was a charity concert. They had a bunch of acts to go through. So, how did Queen choose to start their performance? Well, it's Bohemian Rhapsody, of course. This was a brilliant move because what better way to immediately hype up a crowd than with the opening chords of your signature song? Although, one thing I will point out is, Freddie noticeably doesn't hold out certain notes and even sing some lines at a lower register, which I think was because he actually had nodes at the time in his vocal cords, but goddammit, I would still kill to sound like he did on, on a bad day. From the end of the Rhapsody guitar solo, they flawlessly transition into Radio Gaga, and for my money, this is the best version of that song, even if, just like with Bohemian Rhapsody, they don't play the whole thing. But that didn't really matter, because from the way Freddie started prancing around the stage with his mic stand, he seemed really anxious to get up from that piano and just start putting on a show and strutting his stuff for the crowd. Though there is this one part where he briefly gallops like a horse, which looks kind of weird. But anyway, Freddie then gets to flex his crowd control muscles and leads the crowd in the now iconic vocal improv, which is even listed on Spotify as AO. This little bit includes the famous note heard round the world where Freddy sustains a note for a full five seconds, and the crowd is actually able to match him, which is pretty impressive. This whole vocal improv segment is so memorable to me that the way I normally say the phrase, all right, I say it in the same inflection that Freddy does at the end of that little segment. And the fact that the crowd even repeats that back at him is just an exclamation point on Freddy's charisma. So, at this point, Freddy's voice is properly warmed up. So they go into Hammer to Fall, which was Queen's contribution to the Cold War paranoia subgenre of 80s music that definitely existed. I love this version of this song. It blows the album version out of the water, mainly because here, Brian May's red special guitar gets to... Well... There's no other way to describe it. It fucking roars. Because even Freddy acknowledges how amazing it sounds on stage through his antics by constantly imitating Brian May's guitar playing with his mic stand and ending the number by bending over and showing his ass to the crowd, but well, whatever, who am I to discuss the onstage antics of Freddy fucking Mercury? So, how do you follow up with a loud bombastic song about how surrendering won't hurt at all? Why, with a rockabilly song about getting around to falling in love that even your significant other thought was an Elvis cover. A mistake I really don't blame people for making because Freddie even slurs his words like Elvis twice during the song. 
I will say one thing. The image of Freddie having to stand and sing in front of a mic while strumming the only three chords he knows on a guitar will never not seem awkward to me, but nonetheless, this performance shows why this song was a live staple. Not only is it a nice flavor change from the previous numbers, but the crowd is into it enough that Freddie even lets them sing a whole verse at one point. And now, at this point, Queen was reaching the end of their time, so they wrap up with the other two of their signature anthems, The Immortal, We Will Rock You, and We Are the Champions. You know, those two songs that you still hear at sporting events to this day. And damn, did this version of these songs demonstrate that they were made with crowds in mind. Not only with the crowd handling the chorus of We Will Rock You, but Freddie speaking the phrase, I thank you all, and We Are the Champions, to the audience, which speaks for itself. As the music swells and finally concludes, the band say their goodbye to the roaring crowd, but later come back to close the night with the performance of Is This the World We Created, a song that seems like it was tailor-made for Live Aid, but it was actually written well before. <laughs> Talk about happy accidents. So now that I'm done gushing about Queen, showing what they can do within a strict time limit, maybe I can finally make good on my promise at the beginning of this mini so to explain what made this performance so captivating that David Grohl of the Foo Fighter says that any aspiring musician should study it. Well, I think there are two answers to this. The broad answer, and the personal answer. The broad answer is, Queen were just that damn good at controlling a crowd. Seriously, go watch the footage of this Live Aid performance and listen to how the loud the crowd gets once Freddy starts Bohemian Rhapsody. Once they hooked the crowd with that, all that was left was to keep their attention, which Queen was able to do with a set list made of their biggest hits at the time and Freddy's antics. As for the personal answer, well, you remember how I mentioned at the start of this minisode how Freddy's voice didn't sound as good as it usually does, and just as, just as an FYI, my point of comparison is how he sounded at Queen Rock Montreal back in 1981. I've watched this performance enough times that I could pinpoint every moment where Freddie's voice cracks, but you know something? It doesn't hamper my enjoyment of the concert in the slightest. And that's my personal reason for why I love it so much. It unintentionally teaches a lesson that I, and I think everyone else in my little circle of talented friends should retain and keep to heart. That you should never let perfection get in the way of greatness.